Hey everyone, welcome to a special sort of bonus episode of VR Roundtable here. We are joined by Kevin Henderson, the uh, head of U.S. operations for Pimax, uh, and I believe uh, recently announced, um, you, you you mentioned becoming the uh, sort of the spokesperson as well. I think I saw an MTBS 3D uh, interview right. that you did at CES, so uh, welcome Kevin. And I am Thank also you. joined by VR Roundtable staple uh, Gary uh, from... Uh, right outside of London there in England. Uh, Gary, um, we're, we're, we're doing this at like 8 p.m. your time. So uh, what's it like yeah. going back to the old VR roundtable days when we used to record late at night? Oh, it's okay. It's pretty good. I don't, I don't mind it because, well, actually, you know, it's not it's not too much uh, different anyway because it's a Sunday when we normally record. So, you know, that, that day is just a throwaway day anyway. Uh, but during the working, working week, it has to be a bit later on for me. But, uh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's pretty good uh, and uh, pleased to be joined by Kevin. Looking forward to uh, hearing what he's got to tell us about Pimax. That's great. Okay. Great. So, um, Kevin, we yeah. kind of... What we're thinking here is we would go through and just kind of talk about Pimax, talk about um, where we are in the Kickstarter in terms of delivery. Um, seems to me that we're we're kind of on the tail end of Kickstarter delivery, uh, and and gearing into a more of a pre-order and, and a mainstream launch. So we wanted. Talk about that, but before we do that, um, I kind of wanted to talk about you and just kind of get your reference because uh, I think I mentioned a moment ago that at some point in time you were on uh, MT Made to Be Seen in 3D. I get those acronyms wrong because I wasn't a, a member on those forums, but um, I don't know if you saw, but our last episode we had Blake J. Harris, the author of the History of Future book that launched this week, uh, chronicling the the Oculus story, and um, so it, it's kind of coming full circle. Um, and the, the 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 start of VR, and it almost seems like a very small start, and, and and for the people that got to be on those forums around that time. So just tell us about you know your history, you know where you are, and just your interest in consumer tech and everything, and then how it led to um, you coming to join Pimax. Sure, uh, I've always been interested in uh, in consumer tech. Uh, I've worked in the you know in the tech industry for a very long time, and in fact. Uh, you know, doing the CES is uh, this last CES was my 29th, so I've been doing it a long time. But um, so I've seen you know pretty much uh, countless uh, tech product products come and go, and uh, ones that were announced and never existed, you know, and all of those sorts of things. But but you know, going way back, I used to I, I worked in the in the space industry. And I, uh, I worked at the at Johnson uh, Space Center as a contractor and, a, and an employee for many years. And uh, at the same time, on the side, I had uh, some computer stores. So I was in the tech business, uh, selling uh, computer equipment and building PCs. And during the day, I'd, I'd work over at the uh, at Johnson. So, uh, but uh, moving forward, uh, you know, in the shuttle program, uh, was uh, you know, it, it kind of uh, was winding down and. It became very apparent that that part wasn't going to move on down the road. I moved on down the road and uh, got into the tech uh, industry directly uh, rather than indirectly, which was <laughs> you know where I was working with it. I decided, hey, I think my dream would be to start trying to develop things and uh, developed all sorts of things over the years with uh, various companies. And uh, I worked in, in the fingerprint uh, recognition business, electronics for a long time, and developing all sorts of uh, consumer products, uh, running engineering teams and other things for for other companies, and uh, ended up 
uh, working for Westinghouse and doing some things with them. And I served in numerous uh, capacities at Westinghouse, all the way up to the uh, chief executive of one of their business units. And uh, so, which was owned by CBS, so the broadcasting company. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I've come a long way. I left that to, to join Pimax. Uh, talking about uh, MTBS, uh, you know, I was one of those, I was always so interested in VR. I always dreamt of what, you know, sort of the dream of what uh, VR could be like and uh, immersive computing could be like. And uh, of course, we didn't have enough technology to do it back in the MTBS and before days. But I was not, I was, that didn't stop me from trying. Uh-huh. You know, and uh, so I was one of those people trying to build Franken uh, VR uh, devices uh, in my garage. And, uh, you know, I had uh, the Sony HMZ T1 and even some stuff before that. And I was literally uh, building a head tracking, <laughs> uh, trying to get uh, three degrees of freedom uh, on, you know, on that and uh, connecting it. To, I was running my test software on my PC, <laughs> was Oblivion. Uh, <laughs> You know, so uh, trying to get it operating uh, with some pretty ancient stuff back at the time. But the truth was, uh, the technology just wasn't there. You know, the headsets, you know, we talk about headsets being comfortable or not comfortable nowadays. You know, back then, you could barely keep it on your head for five minutes. It was so uncomfortable, you know, and nose and ears and, you know, and the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, at MTBS, we used to get on there and and uh, and post about our experiences and things that we learned uh, trying to uh, trying to get it to work and trying to get it to work in some games and some other experiences and uh, who it was always a, a contest of who could get it the furthest and make it run the best and you know there was dozens and dozens of people posting daily on their uh, experiences and I was just one of those people doing the same. Did did um did you ever try VR? You know the the first first consumer I suppose iteration of VR back in the early 90s um, like the virtuality machines and things like that did you ever try any of those machines at all? I did we had a lot of, back in my in my uh, government jobs and, and things like that I was in a nice uh, position to get to see people would bring in things all the time even as far back you know as the 80s uh, we had, of course, you know, we had simulators, you know, that were multi-million dollar simulators for simulating various things. I even, I even worked on, uh, on one, but, um, and in fact, uh, one that I worked on is in the visitor center down in, uh, Johnson. But, uh, but, but basically, uh, you know, over the years we got to, got to look at a lot of things and it, that is what kind of piqued my interest in where this kind of thing can go. I used to think, I used to see those simulators and even the real early things. And I thought, man, what is this going to be like in 20 or 30 years, you know? And uh, we might really have, uh, you know, back then, you know, they had animations in the movies and, uh, you know, <laughs> Johnny Mnemonic and stuff. And, and you know, you could uh, you could kind of see where it potentially go. It was all fake, you know, but uh, and Tron, et cetera. And, uh, but then people started gripping, you know, that you got this small flow of devices that, uh, you know, that, that began to just kind of almost tease you, you know, into, into what we're going to get. And then leading all the way to, you know, to what Palmer Lucky was doing, you know, with the DK1. And I was quick to back that. Uh, I backed it on the first day. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and finally when I got mine, I was, you know, I was just outrageously excited. 
And uh, even today, when other, even not just Pimax, but when other people announce new VR products, I get excited about that and I, and I root for them. And uh, so I just, uh, I just think that it's an industry that, that still has a ways to go. You know, we're not, nobody is in a place where we have a virtual utopia yet, <laughs> you know, but yeah, that's what yeah. attracted me to Pimax. You know, they were making genuine attempts at, to push the envelope. And, uh, and that's where my head is at. I, I, my, my dream of immersive computing, uh, I, I trying to, and leaving, you know, what I was doing, which was a, a fairly a cushy thing, uh, to, to jump into, in effect, what is a startup uh, with Pimax, uh, you know, that was, uh, something that I always dreamed about working on and being able to see and being able to have some sort of hand in. And, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a dream job for me. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and I enjoy this stuff. And like I say, I'm just as excited when I see someone else coming out with something great. Excellent. So, um, I, you know, I've made it no secret here on VR Roundtable that, um, that I really, like my Pimax 5K Plus, um, you know, I think w when I look at the company and I realize that they're small right. and that they're, Pimax is doing something that, that no one else is doing, though, at this current moment. And um, I, I personally, like, really enjoy it. And I think uh, I think it's a good product. But of course, like any product, um, especially a small product, it's not without its flaws. And cool. um with the Kickstarter, you know, I, I feel that it was very successful. Uh, it was a good dollar yeah. amount. You know, I don't know, um, you know, what what it if it, where where all sources of funding or anything came from necessarily in addition to the Kickstarter. Um, but you're we're at a point now where most backers have achieved uh, achieved have received um, their 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 backing. Um, but of course, there was some trials and tribulations along the ways, and uh, communication is is a concern, and, and I, I see it as a bit of a double-edged sword. And um, yeah. you know, if we're, we're we're here pending on the release of the Oculus Quest here soon, but we don't yeah. know how many Oculus Quests they've made this week or yesterday, or you know. But right. along the way for Pimax, we were getting production numbers and we're getting right. ship numbers, so there's a lot of visibility to a to the product production and the product shipping that isn't normally there um for for a consumer tech product so um you being recently i guess tasked as spokes spokesperson as well um is is that to help kind of clarify some of that communication um you know what what do you think will be changing you know going forward in terms of the communication uh naturally some people are frustrated that um you know somebody in in zimbabwe got their headset that's a lower backer number than them in, in australia or something and it's very it's very difficult to um, you know, yeah. actually really get them to people in a perfect numerical order. So, um, you know, talk about just the communication aspect, what you hope to improve going forward and um, what it might be like now that as we come to the sort of the end of the Kickstarter delivery. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, you know, I, I, as a person who's not very patient myself, when I order something, I, I you know, I, uh, I can imagine the frustration if someone uh, backed a project a, a more than a year ago and they don't have it, you know, and then they find out that someone else that has a number that's higher than their own and got it. And, man, you know, I get it. I'd be frustrated, too. Uh, the only problem with that, you know, and the only thing I can say about that is from the company is that it's really hard. Like you said, it's really hard for us to control delivery in numerical order. Different countries have different customs and different lengths of time to get things there. 
And, you know, in the very early days, we had, you know, some uh, more defectives than we planned. And uh, and so some of the we wanted to get those people uh, taken care of as well. So, uh, you know, uh, in the early days uh, with a, a fairly complex electronic product like this and with a small company, you know, you're, there is a little bit of a bumpy road. You got to keep in mind, you know, it really is a David and Goliath thing. I mean, you know, Facebook has 42,000 employees. You know, HTC has 7,300, and our business offices we have a total of 79. So, uh, I mean, it's a, uh, I mean, we have a tiny fraction of, and if you divide that into the various departments, you know, you're talking about just a handful of people in each, you know, in each area. We're, in, in our case, when you're that small. Adding new people means that you know we have to take a person that's producing and get them to train you know a couple more people, and the next thing you know you've slowed that department down while you while you expand it. So you know every time you you try to get grow and get bigger, you actually slow down the, the section that you're trying to expand. So uh, so that said, um, you know. It's a it's a slog to get into very high volume production. Now, fortunately, you know Pimax is full of a lot of experts that have done that historically, and uh, you know they're not uh, there's the team is not new at this by any means. So they've done it in previous uh, businesses and other things many times. So, and they had the Pimax 4K, which they they shipped you know almost forty thousand units of that. So, you know they've. They've been around the block and they're getting it done, but they, yeah, I don't think even they expected the response that we've gotten on the number of people and the amount of interest uh, that we've that we've had. And and plus, you know, in the in the standalone in the PC VR um, business, which you know, you know, you look at the cat right now, the VR business has become a little more segmented, and you know, you have your PC VR business. And then you have, you know, your your uh, device business where they're completely self-encapsulated devices like the Quest, which is a, a wonderful idea. And I think, you know, the Quest will help the VR business generally uh, open it up, open up, uh, you know, six degrees of freedom for a great many people. And I think that's a very good thing. But but because you know, that's in a different category than PC VR. You know, people running Steam uh, software and things like that. Um, you know, you, you really have uh, Pimax is one of the few that's really focused on that, uh, you know, as a as a business. And uh, you also have HTC, but even they are going into the standalone uh, business. So I think being focused totally on the PC VR business is where Pimax head is at. And because of that, I think uh, we've attracted a large number of people, much larger than than I think Pimax was originally prepared for. The um, we we had Blake Harris on the show on Sunday uh, talking about his book, uh, The History of the Future. I don't know if you've you've heard that about that book at all, um, but the, the sort of the early days of Oculus and building up that company and then eventually getting bought by Facebook and that kind of stuff. Um, but I think part of the, re the reason I'm bringing that up is because that book really highlights sort of the intricacies and the problems in a, a small startup taking right. a, a, a something that is so ambitious and, and running with it really um and it makes me appreciate that the problem that, that 
Pimax had during the early days, of course. Um, they did this Kickstarter. It was a very successful Kickstarter. Um, and as you mentioned, this wasn't their first time at it. They had already brought out the 4K uh, headset as well. Um, so they, I suppose they had a running start at it. But when that Kickstarter was first launched, it was supposed to sh be shipping units that January, which was last right. January. So it was right. sort of a year late. Um, and I, look, let's be fair. I think most people that backed that Kickstarter expected some kind of a delay anyway. I'm not sure anybody would have expected a year delay. Um, however, and, and we've mentioned it on this show numerous times, I think it's better for most backers. And I think they would all agree that, that the better approach is to get things nailed down and get things correct before they ship. Um, and I'm sure most people will agree with that. But it's still a year. And, I, and you mentioned frustrations, of course, um, which it's not ideal, is it? Is there anything? Is there no. anything during that 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 process? And I don't, you know, I don't know the, the, exactly when you joined Pimax during that process at all. But the um, is there any point during that process that year long? Uh, was there anything in particular that was holding it back, or what? What really was it? Was it just poor planning initially, or a multitude of things? I don't think it's a matter. You know, you're talking about an invention process. You know, so. You know, it, it's it's really hard to say we're going to refine a a product to a degree that uh, that will be attractive to consumers. And how you can spend an infinite amount of time on it. I mean, they could have chosen to spend another year on it, or they could have released it. You know, if I would my 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 personal opinion is, had they released what I saw, I didn't work at the company that time, but I actually got to see some prototypes at the shows. Had they released it in the in the early states that I saw, which potentially they could have tried to do, uh, I think it would have been a terrible mistake. And uh, so, it comes down to this: when you are developing any product and you're sitting there and you and you, you you do every iteration, you, you have these iterations of of release, and then you sh then you take it to your testers and you show them and you say, "Do you think it's ready yet?" And you know, and so. The question is, to what degree uh, of enthusiasm do you look for from them to say, okay, you know, this thing is it has a few problems here and there, or it has some things we can correct. Do you release it? And so, uh, in, with a product like VR, where you have thousands of software titles that you need to be compatible with, uh, you have many, many experiences that are from developers with different engines and, and just the, the degree of difficulty, you know, now that I'm at the company, uh, I've gotten a firsthand uh, experience of the degree of difficulty they go through to try to make sure that the experience is, is quite nice for your average person. So uh, I think that would be the explanation is just generally, do they really want uh, a polished experience, and, and at what at what point do you actually choose to say, okay? Remember, you only get one shot at it. You know, so when you when you take a product, if you're Facebook, you can have many shots at it. I mean, you could have an entire uh, you know production lost over some mistake in manufacturing, and it, it probably is not the you know it's not something that would just you know really really hurt you. With Pimax, though, you don't have that kind. You don't have that luxury. And, and so when you say when you flip the switch and you say we're going to start producing, you know, thousands of these things, it needs to be, you know, relatively right. And, and therefore, uh, you know, they had to make that, you know, make that call. 
and on when that would be, and it and wound up being a year. But, but my, you know, I would just say that it's probably a very good thing <laughs> that that they polished it to the degree that they did. They haven't had to make the types of uh, hardware refinements that uh, that you might have thought. Um, you know, I've bought new TVs and, and various things before where I took off the back and I'm looking at electronics. You know, one of the things you can see uh, in, in early production electronics, you'll see a lot of white wires and a lot of corrections on the on the boards. And, you know, the, the Pimax electronics are super clean. They're, they look like uh, some things that you would find in very, very high volume things with no changes. So even now. So, um, so they, you know, they had some problems with... Uh, with things like cracking cases, where the where some of the shoots on the uh, on the plastics were too brittle, and, and some things like that. But all you know, if you just take all of those things cumulatively, I'm amazed at how well they've done. Um, because uh, you know their defect rate is, you know, even you know if you take every defect for every report from the very beginning, you know, it's less than eight percent on a Kickstarter, you know, for the first units, and that's a that's a quite an amazing achievement. And um, because most of your on initial release of a new model electronic device, you're gonna, you know, that's manufactured in mass. Those first units are gonna, you know, even for a seasoned design, it's gonna be five or six percent, and then it's they're gonna knock it down, and before you know it, a year or two, it's you know like point one, is <laughs> you know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, but for something like this, um, you know, I think they've done an extraordinarily good job. But again, their communication, uh, we don't have a, just a very, very large number of people to throw into the communication and to get people the information that they need and the, and the information that they frankly well deserve to have. And then, of course, it's going through this filter uh, for the language barrier, uh, which is where I hope I can you know, impact it a little bit. Yeah, I think you will. Um, I know for one, when um, I saw it was Sebastian with Mixed Reality TV that I think did the first interview with you there at CES and sort of announced that that um, Pimax had hired a U.S. based person and that they that that you were going to start a um, support center here. So you had mentioned uh, a couple moments ago about a roughly an eight percent defect rate and uh, quality is definitely one of the topics I wanted to get into. Now, sure. when you when you visit a message board of any kind, like you know the squeaky wheel gets the grease, <laughs> and, and to a point, I was I was a squeaky wheel too, and and you sent me a cable uh, for for mine, uh, and I appreciate that. Absolutely, it worked. Uh, I haven't had the single problem since, and. Going back and scanning and looking at a lot of the uh, people that do have issues, it seems like the cable is the biggest culprit, which uh, I can imagine that, that you are not manufacturing the cable. You're buying it from somebody else, and it's their quality that is the problem. Right. So um, has have has Pimax taken any steps to uh, start doing quality checks on the cable? I, I imagine it's difficult because even a quick check, it may not manifest an issue then, but, you know, become an issue, um, you know, after several hours of use. But but have you pushed back against the the quality, the cable supplier? Um, and will there be any effort, assuming that I'm correct in my assumption that um, quality or the cables are really sort of the biggest culprit of the issues we're seeing. Uh, when will cables be readily in stock uh, to buy extra cables? I know I want to buy an extra cable right now, uh, <laughs> just in case. So um, right. can, can you speak to that any, anymore and what steps the company has done to rectify the, the, the defects that have been identified to date? You got to, you know, 
those are uh, our issues where you know where you bring more team members in and and we we actually created a second set of quality checks in uh, in the Shanghai office and uh, so when they go through the first check at the plant then they move to the Shanghai uh, business office we do another check and um, and on those original checks they they weren't changing out the cable every time they were they were literally uh, had the cable in the box and the cables were getting checked out as in a separate process but um, but they were doing continuity checks they were doing electrical checks they weren't actually plugging them into headsets but now we do and so now that's the cable is actually part of the uh, you know of the QA process, but you know, of course, it's a, it's a chicken and egg thing. When the more steps you add to the QA process, the, sl the longer they take, and the and, and the slower our, our daily output is. But you know, in our production staff, we've added, uh, you know, we've got office staff of 79, and you know, we're well over 100 in production. Uh, so in fact, uh, significantly more than that now. But but if you if you look at over time. Uh, I, I believe we've probably cut down on, on for shipping products, the, the defect rate may be down by 60 or 70 percent from the from the very beginning. So, uh, but that said, you know that means you've got a fair amount of people out there that are going to have, you know, they're going to see some see some things that need to be uh, repaired. And to that end, service centers like the service center in the United States, and one we're going to do in the EU and one in the UK and other places, uh, will give local support. Uh, for people who have Pimaxes, and that should uh, now to to your question, will we have cables specifically? Uh, yes, uh, we have a the service centers are going to be stocked with all the parts, and, and it won't they, they won't be the parts will not come down to a degree of of uh, PCBs. It'll be everything almost everything short of that. So the type of service that we'll be doing is tier one uh, service, which is everything from cables to uh, changing out the lenses to, you know, uh, we're going to be doing the cases, uh, you know, uh, damaged cases. We're going to be doing um, head straps that are damaged, frayed, you know, all of those kinds of things, uh, face pads and, you know, just, you know, return doing a service from typical uh, tier one service and repair. Okay, perfect. So um, we've talked about quality here a little bit and and and, and defects, but I, I we could probably stay there because I know that's like sort of a big topic for the community and and I don't want to take your time doing that uh, necessarily. I, I also want to look a little bit towards the future. Some um, my next kind of big question is again we're I'm assuming we're right here at the tail end of the Kickstarter delivery. Uh, right. I know that pre-order deliveries have started to happening for those that pre-ordered in um, right. what was it October. Um, right. What is what is Pimax's distribution plans now uh, going forward? Well, should we expect at some point that that someone will be able to buy a Pimax off of Amazon or something like that, or or, or do they plan to keep it central to ordering from from Pimax directly? And how far off do you think you are from uh, the time when someone such as Gary decides to pull the trigger and 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 they click the buy button uh, on the website or or on Amazon and then they get the headset in three days, five days? or you know something more uh more direct to that sort of impulse buy uh thing that, oh, that i'm sure okay. everybody wants <laughs> i would like to see one day <laughs> perfect uh, one day sounds better we want to move to a local model and we are moving to local models for uh you know for shipping devices and selling devices and the many uh, though i don't have an announcement to make on what channels 
uh, it'll be, I can tell you that uh, the most uh, typical channels that people buy with one day uh, <laughs> delivery is what you're going to see, you know. So you're going to see uh, a lot of channels that have very uh, rapid delivery and rapid replacements and uh, for not just, not just for the headsets themselves, but uh, but for uh, the accessories and and the things that are considered to be replaceables, you know, like foam pads and straps and and later on the rigid uh, uh, head strap and the replacement ear, they're, the earphones on that are replaceable. So those, uh, among many other things, uh, some of some of which we're going to be showing at GTC coming up. Just, uh, just on that point. Sorry to interrupt, Kevin. Uh, just just on sure. that point, actually, we've had a few questions from chat as well, and one of them was specifically about the uh, the audio strap. Um, and you mentioned, is, is are you going to be showing that at GDC? Then is that something you're showing there, or we were we thought about showing it at CES, but okay. uh, but you know. A, the level of comfort that you get out of for me, I have tested our, our various prototypes of the strap. I love it. I think it's the best strap I've seen, and I think a lot of people will agree. Uh, it's got some slick features to it that I can't announce right now, but I think people will really like and embrace. Uh, but then you put that same strap on another person's head, and they're like, oh my God, what are you thinking? And, and, and our founder, uh, Robin, was like, oh, man, you know, if we show that at CES, you're going to have hundreds of people putting it on. You're going to have that minority of people that get right on the forums and say, oh, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Even if you get even if you get 99 percent uh, satisfaction, you're going to get, you know, it's going to be kind of a, a, a problematic situation. So we thought we would really work to refine it and, and really work hard to to make sure we get that last few percent of people um, for for the rigid head strap and and also uh, work on the quality of the of the audio uh, and you know there's more to that it's not as simple of a task as it may seem you know to get it exactly right so um, but that said I think uh, it's something that we will uh, be showing soon our target is to is to be able to demonstrate that coming up but um, uh, I'm hoping that uh, we get to show off a lot of those things coming up. So we have a whole team um, polishing uh, a lot of these types of things and not just the rigid head strap. I, I, whether people are interested or not, I don't know, but we also have some, uh, some face pads. Uh, we also, uh, we have multiple thicknesses. We have different materials uh, and we even have a deluxe uh, face pad that's made for uh, when you're showing in situations where the device, uh, where there's a lot of sweat and maybe when people are using the device for exercise or if it's in an LBE, uh, location-based entertainment uh, situation, uh, we have a special version for that. So um, there'll be probably five different ones uh, of that available. Among other, uh, other things, there's foam uh, for the back of the head uh, for, for the rigid strap and, and other things too. So I think that um, over time, even you know, by the end of this year, for sure, we'll have a pretty good lineup of accessories that people uh, have options for. Most of them will be, you know, pretty inexpensive things. So, so a lot of people, myself included, are um, assuming that the focus uh, primarily, I guess, from this point outside of the headset is going to be on the controllers and or base stations. I know we've had a, several people in chat ask if there's going to be a bundle sold. Uh, I'm assuming that there, there is going to be. So um, 
should we expect sort of a um, parallel development, not necessarily parallel uh, release, but parallel development uh, on these accessories? Because, you know, you, you mentioned the face pads. Uh, we know the controllers are in work, um, the, the head strap. Uh, and then we're getting a lot of questions in chat about wireless. And um, I'll frack wireless out as its own question. But just sure. in general, in terms of the roadmap of, of when we can start to maybe expect i know you're not ready to announce anything and if you are by all means announce here on the podcast um but 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 should we expect a um i guess the crux of my question should we expect a focus in a linear fashion one accessory ready the next accessory ready sometime after that or maybe uh sort of a parallel process and maybe um you know three months from now multiple accessories are ready uh, just kind of maybe talk to where the focus is um in general on all those other items? Well, I, I think that's an area. I, my suggestion has been uh, that we, we use our, our local distribution uh, centers to, do, to, to distribute all the accessories and we don't ship any of those directly uh, from China to you know, wherever the destination is. The expense of it and, uh, you know, and the, all of the uh, added Difficult. It's the difficulties we're experiencing today, sending <laughs> sending headsets to, to backers and, and pre-orders and things. So, uh, our goal is to avoid uh, future troubles like that, and and bring everything in from the you know from the local warehouses. Typically, if you ship something from in from the United States to another United States address, UPS ground even even ground, it's three days on average delivery time. So. Uh, you accelerate the whole thing a lot, and, and it will allow us to do what you said, where uh, we bring in the, the devices into the warehouses, and then we ship from there. But uh, And then that way, we can just ship them as they become available, and we don't have to force people to wait until everything is available in a package, you know. So, but to answer your question, you know, the inquiries about wireless, um, I've seen the uh, samples uh, with the module you know, of our devices and played around with it that, uh, that have that capability. And, um, and I, and I see, uh, on a daily basis, a lot of, uh, back and forth between the engineering teams and on all sorts of tests that we run, uh, to, you know, on, on, almost, not just on the wireless, but on the controllers and other things. And, um, the wireless is, in my opinion, the highest, uh, hill to climb of any of the accessories. And the more pixels you have to push, the harder it is. <laughs> you know, uh, the higher your refresh rate that you want to try to do, the harder it is. Um, and, uh, you know, and there's some, there's some techniques to use to try to try to reduce that down, uh, the amount of data that actually has to flow. But it's a tough thing, because it's all timely. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'd say the, Samples they've done uh, have a maybe an 80% use case percentage right now. Um, I think it is a, a technical problem they will solve, uh, you know, later this year. Uh, but I would that would be the one thing. I would I know that uh, you know Q1 or Q2, uh, people shouldn't uh, you know have it in their head that we're going to suddenly pop up with uh, wireless in the first half of this year. And then it, you know that part it just won't happen. Uh, I do. I do think the other accessories, though, uh, you know, things like lighthouses and uh, controllers and uh, and uh, the straps and you know and all kinds of other things that are that have a little bit uh, less 
invention process have to happen. Uh, I think that, you know, for those things, you will see them uh, pretty soon. We know with the uh, TPCast uh, available for the Rift and the Vive that um, it basically compresses, or I'm sorry, it does not compress. I can get my order backwards. It does not compress, um, and, and it's, it sends the data more raw, and, and because of that, that throttled uh, data bandwidth, you get the FOV compression. That's the the sort of the compromise they've chosen to take compared to HTC with the official Vive adapter um, that utilizes real-time compression. Um, they don't have any FOV issues. It sounds to me, um, and I know you, you if you can't say anything, that's perfectly okay, but it sounds to me that maybe Pimax, due to the increased density, is going to have to look to compression of some sort. So if you can answer that, great. Uh, if not, that's Okay, and then my next uh, sort of tangentially related question then is, is Pimax working similar with the eye tracking module in 7 and Vinson? Is Pimax working with a partner like DisplayLink um, or anything with the wireless technology? We are. We're working with various partners. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if I can announce who those partners are, but uh, but let's just say there are our, our, um, our availability of parts that have the bandwidth required for this to work. There's only a couple of companies that, that have uh, production devices that we can use that can actually achieve that. There's only a couple. So, uh, so that said, I think that uh, you know, we've got two uh, lines of prototypes being developed that use two different solutions. And uh, one of them does have uh, compression and one of them doesn't and okay. um, but they both have challenges you know neither of them work to a degree where we would think about <laughs> releasing it right now um, but but that said I think but these partners are very large companies that have a vested interest in getting that to work and they're helping us so um, so to that end I, I do think um, you know, the whole, the entire burden isn't a Pimax burden. It's to get it to do, the, you know, the engineering. It's a lot of it is being done by some of our partner companies that are, you know, pretty good size entities. Okay. I just uh, wondered if we were able to get through a few of these questions we're picking up from chat as well, um, because people do have a lot of questions. Um, Basically, well, well, let's go through these. Uh, the, the first one I wanted to get through uh, is by Michigan Sund. Uh, this is, uh, we did receive a super chat from him as well, so thank you for that. Um, but this is to do with the tracking system. Now, obviously, you know, you're using SteamVR um, and the, the Lighthouse tracking system. Um, now, uh, Michigan asked, uh, have you guys talked to Moses about their tracking system? There's numerous off-the-shelf uh, tracking systems out there. We know the route that you've gone down, but, it, but has there been any talk with other uh, tracking systems at all, like uh, Mosis, for example, being one. And and I'll be honest, I, I I'm not familiar with Mosis. <laughs> um, we 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 have numerous partners we've been talking to about things that work as a um, almost as an assistive technology, and we have others that have um, things that we're working with that would theoretically replace uh, Lighthouse. Um, in in additions of our devices that have those sorts of things. Now, luckily, uh, with Pimax, you know you have an expansion port on the bottom of the device, and you have an expansion port on the top of the device. You have USB 
both sides. And we have pegs where you can plug the uh, modules in. So theoretically in the future, you, you could have uh, inside out tracking uh, in the device for people who already own Pimaxes, you know, and just snap it in. Um, working with various partners is one of my, uh, for on that exact, um, on that exact thing is some of my travels recently is what it was all about. But um, with that said, we're working with uh, three or four different partners on on some pretty nice uh, solutions that you that would enable a Pimax to operate in outside of a lighthouse environment. You know. Okay. Um, just on the the uh, lighthouse thing. Um... So Ben Stanley Q, um, he asked, is there a chance for Pimax to make like a tracking puck similar to like the HTC Vive, I would imagine, um, that works with the uh, Lighthouse 2.0 base stations? Is there, is there anything like that, that that you guys are working on as well? No, not right now. Okay, and and just on on the uh, lighthouse two, I think um, we had a couple of questions um, about the lighthouse two point um, Is there any news, any updates on sort of those being available to either backers or the pre order customers for the uh, Pimax at the moment? No real updates on that uh, at the moment, though I can say um, that uh, you know the the two point just generally are not widely available. And, and, and with a company like us, we're not trying to buy, you know, 10 or 20 or 100. We're trying to buy them in the tens of thousands. And so um, even getting a thousand units and, you know, to get the ball rolling, you know, you're, you're talking about devices that just aren't widely available. And, uh, and uh, so, uh, so part of the you know, of the discussions is is where they're becoming widely available. We can get them a, and you know, and b is the negotiations that revolve around cost, and uh, and trying to get you know, if you as you know, a big focus of of Pimax is to try to offer you know, sort of bleeding edge things and try to and try to get the try to offer it at a price that you don't see. Uh, you know, you look at. What the sort of pricing that Star VR and, and other you know people that were sort of in the high higher end realm of of PC VR, you saw what kind of prices they're looking for to get for some of these things, and and we're not that's not where our uh, our focus is. You know, we want to try to offer some of those things, and we want to try to get it down into uh, a, a pricing model that your average person can can jump on. So. To that end, you know, you've got two pieces. You've got general availability in large quantities, and then you have um, what kind of, you know, how, what is the avenues that you might use to get the price down? Mm. And, and that's a big thing for Pimax, is to try to bring these things into the realm of general availability. But, you know, if we were to just pop up and say, oh, here's our new Lighthouse 2.0s, they're 800 bucks a piece. You know, no, nobody would accept that. Uh, so... You know, it's got to be down in the realm of, uh, you know, of something that that meshes with our pricing model and the headsets themselves. Mm. Yeah, and, I think that I think that's a really fair point, actually, and it's something we've seen um, sort of notorious, I suppose, at this this point with HTC. Just their pricing model just seems way higher than I, as a VR enthusiast, really wanted to go for. So I understand. Right. I, at the same time, I can understand there's a, there's a level of frustration from people that have got the Pimax and, and want these these things, but 
Um, at the same time, previously, as we discussed in this episode as well, I think it's better to maybe hold off a little bit, get the product, first of all, that you want, which which will be the Lighthouse 2.0, but also at a reasonable price, as, as you mentioned. I think that that's a fair point, yeah. Um, go ahead, Steve. So um, just kind of running the gamut of a few questions here, and, and we're going to bounce between chat and, and some that we have pre-prepared, but... Um, What's the status of the 8KX? Um, and I know that that is um, sort of a backseat to obviously the 8K and the 5K plus. Um, just what's the status of it, and have you personally tried it, and what do you think of it? Yeah, yeah, I have. It's uh, uh, it is certainly an upgrade over the 8K. Uh, it's a very similar device to the 8K as far as the look of it and. You know, it's the version that we have now that, that we've been testing in the lab has got two cables and it's got two DP 1.4s. Um, it's, um, it's a fully functional uh, device that theoretically could be uh, manufactured in quantity, but I think they really want to make sure that, uh, that for the AKX that we, we think about uh, if that's going to be our flagship product, you know, we need to make sure that it's got all the flagship, you know, that we, that it becomes, uh, our software is flagship quality, you know, and, you know, across the board, all, our offerings are refined to a little bit higher degree uh, than they are right now. And they want it to be one cable instead of two. And it, it is pretty bulky, you know. And uh, running with two cables connected to the same device, it, it adds to the weight and the thickness of the cables, et cetera. So uh, there's a lot of technologies now that let you run that that bandwidth through the same cable. So, which is just what I was going to say. Uh, any any looking towards using Virtual Link, because um, what I understand, in addition to the power and the USB uh, uh, bandwidth, it has four DisplayPort lanes, if I remember correctly. Although only the first one is ratified. Uh, as part of the standard is my understanding. So okay. there, there's not a direct, uh, one of their problems has been that, that uh, the way you actually implement that is not totally, uh, you can do it uh, in effect right now where it's a replacement for one uh, DP 1.4 cable and power. And of course you get, you get a USB uh, Gen 2 C uh, Gen 2 in it too. Which you could theoretically run some data across, but uh, you know beyond just control data, you could throw some video data in there too. But but the thing or audio, but for that matter, uh, some of those things are still evolving technically, and uh, and so um, and you know you have higher bandwidth USB as well, or, or rather HDMI as well, um, that's been uh, ratified. So there's a lot of options on how to get the date the cable back and forth. But the key is when you do that, uh, and if we were to implement it that way, how many people could really use it? You know, right. and uh, <laughs> you've got to you've got to support it on both sides. So, are we, we going to come out with something that forces people to buy a new video card to do? You know, uh, there's a there's a you know there's a there's a pickle right there. You know, you can go with two cables. A lot of people have two display ports. You could do that. Um, but if you start, if you drop in a new technology, uh, you know, do we do we release it in a way where we force people to buy something new? You know, we're going to get backlash from that had, if we were to do that that way. So, so yeah, so it's something uh, that we're we're tweaking the plan on. Uh, it's something the devices are technically capable of now. 
it's something that we have working. Um, but um, but you know, right now our focus is to get every person their uh, their eight Ks and their five K pluses, and then their you know the OLED version uh, that, that have them on either order or you know backers. So you know that's where our primary this moment is. Well, and speaking we'll of the OLED version, um, the five K I guess business edition. Right. I assume you have a 5K plus and an 8K there in your home or in your office that you play with. Uh, do you have a business edition as well? The OLED version, basically, we'll kind of keep it in that context. And assuming you have all three and have spent ample time with all three and, and feel free to mix the AKX in there as well, which is your favorite? Which do you find yourself reaching for more often? That's a good question. I, I, I still grab the 5K plus most of the time, just personally. Um, I think as as a general use item, I mean, I guess it's a. I get I, some people would say it's bad business to recommend your lowest price item, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I gotta be, you know, that's just the truth. I think um, for general use, uh, the clear the the clarity of the text and the RGB uh, pixel uh, configuration, subpixel configuration, uh, really makes the 5K plus a, a nice mix. For your average use case, um, if you, on the other hand, need something with absolute blacks, you know, then uh, your our OLED version can can shine in those situations, so to speak. I will say, just to, I'll just add, uh, I'm, we're about to make some changes related to how that uh, how our uh, SKU offerings are uh, are made because I'm not a fan. Of mixing consumers' um, business edition products with uh, uh, with consumer SKUs, I think it's not a wise plan. So we're about to um, make some changes related to that, and uh, so the the BE is going to is going to become uh, a new SKU. Consumer SKU. Yep. Okay. It, it, right now, we we actually do have. Uh, some uh, devices that are ruggedized and designed for uh, location-based entertainment, but none of those none of those functionalities are actually in the BE. <laughs> so the BE is functionally the same as uh, you know as the rest of the devices as far as the physical construction of it go for the most part. Um, so all of the things that that you would consider to be B to B features are in are going to be in a, in a new set of three devices that are that are the commercial equivalents of the 5K+, plus, the 8K, and the OLED. So you're going to see six SKUs instead of three. Three commercial, three consumer. Clean and simple. Okay. Um, I just wonder if I could make a slight uh, tangent as well. I've got a couple of questions about something you alluded to earlier, Kevin, about the, um, for example, when you were talking about the the head strap and how you're sort of going through various iterations of it to get it to to sort of maximise to fit to various people's heads. I can understand that. And one, one of the things, whenever I use VR, one of the things I always think about is how this technology and wearable technology in general, I suppose, is far more susceptible to um, sort of subjective differences in between people um, because you, you, it's so close to you. And, and we know this from just general experiences, like one person, a headset can be fine. Another person, they see all of these faults or certain faults just appear to them. 
Um, one thing I wanted to ask you and wanted, wanted to get to, and it, and it can lead on to another question. The first thing I'll ask is, is there anything um, like any point during the development of the Pimax headsets where you sort of felt like you needed to hone in on one particular thing? See, sorry to elongate this question, but for me, the lenses you see and the distortion of the lenses, I know this has been something that people have brought up in the past. And I think people, certain people are just more susceptible to this edge distortion. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I just wonder, is that something that, that you guys concentrated on? Um, but also leading on from that, what can you tell us about the future of Pimax in terms of like the, uh, just w where you see various parts of the technology heading, uh, I guess, to appease certain differences I would just first of all I would add to what you just said a little just make a little comment about what you just said and that is about uh, about things uh, about imperfections in the picture and you know the distortions along the edges and, and other uh, sorts of things that revolve around that uh, so uh, basically that is something that the team focuses on every day even now uh, you know, our, our lab, uh, every iteration of the of the firmware uh, and the uh, and the Pi Tool software have a new uh, upgraded distortion mask. Um, in every edition we've released, you get an upgraded distortion mask. So it, it, the idea is to cut that down more for a higher percentage of people. And if you if you go back and you run six or seven, it's harder, this, the changes are a little more subtle because if it's already relatively distortion free for you uh, and you try a new one, it'll still be, you know, but if it's a person, the people that you, we affect are ones that are in that, in that case where they can, where they can see it and perceive it. So it's, that is one of our focuses now and it will continue to be, although, you know, it, getting all the way to, you know, to absolute perfection, you need you know, you need some uh, some technical changes that would increase the price enough that would make it feel uh, like a uh, fairly uh, more expensive endeavor for your average person. But that said, uh, we've come a long way on that. And but there are certain things that you can not easily fix. And that is what right now when you do your IPD adjustment on a on a Pimax and you and you slide the slider that moves the lenses back and forth. Some people's eyes are offset on one side, so they don't have a linear distance between center. So if, even if you're in, in there, you have uh, some uh, you you have some problems that you can't easily correct unless you can move the lenses individually. So, and and by moving a lens individually, you you actually add some pretty good complexity to how to how to uh, you create the distortion mask. But but that said. Um, We've done a lot with with that, and short of fixing that one problem, uh, we've done we've made great great strides. I would also point out that when we when we release the uh, different thickness face pads, a person with an offset eye that's even just a little bit where it's not linear from the center uh, or equally spaced from the center, uh, that kind of a person the can dramatically improve the visuals by changing the distance that they between their eye and the lens because it changes the angle and and it makes it where the distortion correction helps them more on the mask so when we start releasing these uh, these new uh, face pads uh, I would my suggestion would be for people who that experience that and they want to cut it down more 
than what we're doing with our general updates that they get one of the, you know, that they start looking at these, uh, the pads. To answer your other question is what's going on in the future and what are we working on and what kind of things might you expect to see? Um, as you might imagine, we, we have new, newer, uh, you know, headsets in the lab and newer technologies that might, uh, that might someday be called, uh, you know, uh, iterative uh, models of the devices we have. I, I suspect that the likelihood of Pimax releasing, uh, you know, bigger, better, faster is, is one of the reasons I'm, I'm at Pimax because uh, I love, uh, I, I think it's wise to iterate, uh, you know, rapidly, especially in the VR business. And, uh, you know, every year or two, um, as fast as we can to keep, to keep improving the experience. I, I think that with VR, you have the potential uh, for these devices to be used in a lot more robust uh, forms and fashion than they are now. There are certain kinds of things now that even on a Pimax you can't do as well as you'd like to. You know, using it as a, as a monitor replacement, you know, using it for, you know, for general work, you know, you're, we're starting to get there. But um, but there's a, there's some more distance to go uh, in in turning these devices into a very general purpose uh, use case and um, you know the, that's where resolution and, and distortion correction and and wide field of view and all these nice things you just keep improving them you know and we do uh, we do have a fair amount of uh, devices in the lab that where we're testing all sorts of different things a lot of people don't know this but. We actually manufacture our own lenses. Uh, we're probably mm -hmm. the only—we're probably the only VR company that actually manufactures our own uh, lenses. And we've been through many an iteration of the lenses. So um, you know, we've got uh, some different designs that that test all sorts of different uh, lens configurations you know, for the future. One of the things that um, that caught me by surprise as as the uh, tester group came out and and um, gave the reviews on the Pimax AK series was the the built-in native Oculus support without the requirement of Revive. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Like, is it Revive in there that has been baked in? Um, and if it's a a proprietary Pimax, I shouldn't say proprietary, but if it's a a from the ground up uh, Pimax developed solution. Um, are there any concerns that you have or, or that consumer, consumers should have in that support being broken, maybe on Oculus's end, which I know is out of your control, but um, what what sort of confidence would a potential buyer having um, have that their, their Oculus library is going to move with them or the Pimax, not just now, but in the future? Uh I mean, you know, you, you, it's, it's hard to predict the future when it comes to things like that. I mean, but I would say... Uh, Oculus did, you know, a while back uh, with uh, Revive went down a path that uh, wasn't very, wasn't particularly positive, <laughs> you know, uh, in there in those days. And I don't know if they would want to repeat that, <laughs> you know, but uh, they wouldn't, they would not, they would not only, uh, you know, there's a lot of people making purchases of Oculus software. We're talking about a pretty good money um revenue uh, item for oculus um software developers i don't know what percentage of the people that that use that tool and then turn around and buy the the title is 
but I can tell you it's probably a pretty significant percentage of all the uh, of all the software sold. You, when you start adding uh, the 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 field of Steam VR devices, uh, you know Windows Mixed Reality, you have uh, you know the HTC devices and our own uh, to to create a situation where none of those people could buy. <laughs> uh, I, I think it would cause their developers to lose a, uh, developers that need that need the capital, that need yeah. the revenue, that need the money. I I, I think it would be I, I imagine that uh, causing those developers to lose that much uh, needed capital would be a very painful thing. And I don't know if that's a place they would want to be. So my guess would, you know, I can't vouch for uh, the logical thinking of other, <laughs> of other, uh, you know, management. But I, I would suspect that they would not want to put their developers through something like that. Uh, you know, I think their developers uh, can really use the revenue. Right. So from the Pimax side, though, you guys will chase it to the best of your ability as far as you can see. Should, you know, I know we can't control what Oculus does, but, um, you know, I, I guess I guess the crux of my question then is, is it built on Revive? And, and so long as Revive's doing their job, it'll kind of always work within Pimax. Or if there is a change, should Oculus go down that road, which I agree, I don't think they should. That sort of be crazy at this point. Um, but but if that were to happen, would would we be waiting on Pimax engineers to fix the is issue in addition to Revive development, who whomever's taken over the torch there to fix that issue? I, I just I know it's I know it's maybe a question you can't answer. I just kind of wanted uh, whatever whatever you could say to kind of give potential customers a sort of uh, uh, warm and fuzzy on their Oculus library. I would just say that I probably can't get into the technical underpinnings of uh, the, sort of the nuts and bolts of how that works. However, I will say that we're committed, uh, completely committed to enabling Pimax customers to be able to purchase uh, as, the, as wide a variety of uh, VR software as we can muster. And, and that means Ocular software and be able to, to purchase that. And uh, and we'll make every effort to keep that uh, operating. And we and every day, even now, we uh, in our revisions, uh, you know, we work on the compatibility uh, in the Pi tool and other ways. Uh, so I think that uh, we're going to continue to be committed to doing that. And it's a fair amount of a percent. Every time we release a new version, it's a fair amount of our effort to make sure that it's all working. I, th I think uh, to, to be fair to you, Kevin, as well, we're sort of we're asking you questions on this show coming from all angles. If you you've got insight into every area of Pimax, <laughs> every tiny little corner as well, so it's probably not fair for us to ask you. Uh, questions like that however uh, I don't know how much you can tell us about this only because we did get a, a question from somebody in chat about this and so I'd love if you can tell us anything uh, regarding this but it was something uh, it was asked by a squadra course um, and he was just asking about the, uh, the, the the different LCD panels um, there was some different LCD panels in later models is that true I'm not too sure but um, I don't know if you can tell us anything about the, the LCD true. panels no okay I can tell you right now, that's not true. Okay. Uh, the panels that be, uh, this is a simple question. The panels that were in the 5K Plus from day one are the panels that are in there today. And the panels that were in the 8K uh, from day one are the panels that are in there today. And the same thing uh, with the OLED model. Uh, we have never uh, changed panel on any device. And uh, okay. there were some prototypes, um, you know, 
that where we were testing different, uh, you know, different panels from different manufacturers, but on the production side, no. Um, one thing to know is in the in the panel business, there's some. Um, I've done a lot of products over the years, even before uh, Pimax that included LCD and OLED panels. And what you have to know is when, when you develop any product that contains an OLED, a OLED panel or an LCD panel or a modified LCD panel, which is what these are, um, they're all in effect modified. Everything you, any uh, LCD has lots of, of customization to it for whatever the product's gonna go in. So when they when they manufacture it, they layer it. They've got your backlight. They've got your you know they've got all the front, forward coatings. They have to worry about the lens, how, how you're going to focus the lens, like reflections, and uh, and how the lighting is, and in a, in a just a large myriad of other things. Things including uh, when you when you sandwich them together and you apply heat, are you going to cause problems then? I mean, and just a, a, during the manufacturing process, you're going to have um, many refinements that are made uh, when you form the panel and, and when you drive when you install the software that's on the hardware level for the panel and that controls you know how bright you know all the, uh, the LEDs uh, are and, and, and how the how the backlight reacts and a whole lot of other things so as you as you move through batches when you're doing your manufacturing each each batch is going to have is going to exhibit some variance so when someone says hey you know this batch versus that batch and they say oh ha they must be uh you know different panels no they're, they're just simply revisions of the same panel uh, you and you've got to get this balance you know it, it's difficult uh lcd there's no lcd where it's just where you just have utopia you know you're you it's a give and take so if you're gonna you're going to decrease the brightness you know you can in some cases increase the contrast by decreasing the backlight brightness but you know you hurt other things and so whenever you're making the various adjustments to how the the color space works you you're literally taking away from one thing to add another thing and and so so when you're making those kinds of revisions you wind up uh you're, you're kind of trying to find the best balance that the average person uh would experience so uh, and there's always little tweaks when it comes to that. When the panels come out, you know, you do you do your test, and you have color space cameras that can that can check most aspects of the panels as they come out. And then once it put, gets put into a device, you check it again. Um, in our case, uh, in the in the early days, you know, there were some devices that had, um, you know, that exhibited some things that uh, were batch related, but that was. Um, you know that was all part of you know of the revisions to the panels, but they're the same ones. What um, shift gears a little bit just because I'd like to touch on on most of the points. But um, at CES, you guys showed a the um, the eye tracking module and and you showed it working really well. Um, not just the hardware in place, but also uh, at least some of the sort of sort of demo type material uh, software material. Um, 
just what can you give us an update on that? And uh, I do believe I remember seeing comment that that the hardware was basically ready. Um, we're just kind of waiting for things on the software side. And I don't know if that meant more like um, within within PyTool itself or maybe more within uh, Steam VR. I, I imagine Valve is, is is maybe stepping in at this level and, and, and helping you guys out because they're also enabling eye tracking uh, on the Vive Pro Eye. So um, just kind of talk to us about eye tracking and, and give us an update there. Uh, well, I'd just say I think that the most, probably the biggest driver for for eye tracking um, software is the new is the additions of eye tracking capabilities to the Open XR standard. The Open XR standard they ratified a whole bunch of uh, of standards for developing eye tracking um, applications and and that are going to be widely widely supported. So right there, you're going to gain a pretty good library of of eye tracking software. You know, so supporting that was our primary uh, is our primary driver. Uh, of course, there's you know uh, Seven and Vinson has some some things that they've done that will, that people will get when they get the eye tracking that they'll be able to play around with. But you know the idea is to have a pretty good library of uh, of things that you can. I'm not a big fan of releasing something where all you can do is play whack a mole. <laughs> you know, where you just look at the mole and, and you just uh, hit the, you know, hit it with your eyes, and then that's your that's your entire experience. I think it needs to be a pretty good uh, suite of things that were that you can immediately benefit by. You know, in the case of um, you know th things like foveated uh, rendering and and in that aspect, you know, right now um, for most people that wouldn't be driver level. So. Meaning that when they, you know, when they get the eye tracking solution, you know, you need direct software support for your average title to get uh, to get the fo the foveated rendering. Uh, Nvidia with the RTX uh, introduced new capabilities that allows to allow you to have driver driver related foveated rendering. So, with the RTX, you theoretically could have a combination of. Uh, of foveated rendering and eye tracking, where you can have a, a chance at general capability, but uh, and which we've begun to deploy, as you know, in the in the uh, our new Pi tool with RTX, we have FFR for fixed foveated rendering included uh, as a subset of our brain warp uh, technology. And and today or tomorrow, we're going to release a new version of that. But um, by the way, um, but. Um, but that said, I think that um, you're going to have a, a pretty good variance of experiences with I, not just with um, with us, but with anyone that's going to be you know you you have a, you know HTC with, with the Vipro Eye uh, and and other devices that are going to have eye tracking. Uh, the experience is going to vary pretty greatly between different applications that you run and on how. Uh, on the integration of using it for control, like menus, and uh, using it for uh, for foveated rendering and all sorts of other uh, uh, other uses. I mean, you can imagine all the great uses that that could have. You look at what Toby has, uh, you know, already in some of their eye tracking software that you can their plug and play uh, for uh, you know for PC gaming. So you know, hit zones and all kinds of great things you can do. Uh, with that, and you know, we're looking to uh, have some of those sorts of you know, capabilities that we introduce, and the OpenXR will go a long way to making that possible. Excellent. 
Okay. Um, I, I suppose, um, I mean, I've pretty much got everything through everything that I wanted to ask Steve. Um, the, the, the last thing I did want to ask um, Kevin very quickly is um, just generally about VR, really. You know, um, I know you've mentioned like at the beginning of the show how you've always had a passion for this kind of stuff anyway. Um, but where do you see VR going like in the next few years? Um, not not specifically from the Pimax point of view, but just in general as the, the industry progresses like the next five years what would you like to see from the industry as a whole i'm hoping you know i i immersive computing i think uh is, is sort of the holy grail of uh, of vr and uh, the more immersive you can make it i think the more exciting it is and i'm, I'm hoping and right now we're kind of in this iterative cycle you know and of course the the, the business has become more separated in that you have uh, standalone devices, you have uh, you know PC VR devices, you have uh, augmented reality devices. Uh, so you know you you have such a and each one of those has kind of some use cases, you know. But I think that PC VR really does have the opportunity to be the most immersive of any of the of the technologies that are out there. And what you're seeing is iterative changes. You're seeing higher resolution, higher field of view, less distortion, uh, you know, higher, uh, better color space, um, and higher frame rates. We have a prototype that has a very high frame rate, for instance, uh, you know, um, like 144 hertz. Um, but um, but you know, there's a lot of things that you're going to see. You're going to see devices with high frame rates, higher resolution, higher field of view. Um, I, you know, I hope that Pimax can be right at the, you know, the forefront of that. Uh, releasing new versions of Pi Tool that enable lower end hardware to um, to be able to render some of these things is part of the strategy, you know. And uh, to be able to have uh, higher resolution, wider field of view, and, and all the iterative things. That said, I think that uh, if you were to say what's going to be like in five years. The video cards that we have in five years will make what we have today look, you know, look pretty pale, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Even look at video cards from three years ago, they look pretty pale, right? So, um, but uh, I, I think that while it is a rough, uh, kind of a rocky road for NVIDIA on some of the things they've introduced, you know, and some of these, if you look at it, it some of the things they're doing with the driver level, uh, uh, rendering uh, where you can where you can finally have things that affect all software um, that's something that's new and uh, and that's something that benefits VR in fundamental ways so they've actually planted the seed of that and you look at what steam has done valve uh, with steam VR they've been pretty visionary in, I mean, you look at it, you can take a Pimax headset right now, which already has a wider field of view and has high resolution and some other and modular capability and some of those things. Well, you can take that and you can run any, pretty much any Steam VR title uh, and gain all the benefits from that right away, which is really a, a testament to the thought process that Valve has had when they, when they developed, you know, their piece of the platform, you know. They've opened the door for Oculus and HTC and you know Microsoft with with uh, Windows Mixed Reality and, and these all these players to release things where when you do you you literally gain a, a pretty wide selection of things 
So I think they're on the right path to, to achieving immersive computing where you get to where that's entire library of things that come up to today will be applicable in two, three, four, five years, as long as these people are making enough money in that period of time to keep to keep updating and, and to keep adding and keep iterating themselves. But but that said, in five years, I imagine, you know, uh, you know, we'll be in a place that uh, <laughs> where the dream of immersive computing is much further along. And, uh, you know, and where you when you put on the headset, it'll be it'll be wireless. You'll have uh, foveated rendering with eye tracking. You'll have uh, resolutions and you'll have, uh, you know, and the field of views will be very, almost, uh, I think a lot of people will be marketing natural vision, you know, uh, you know, field of views where you have some uh, monkey ears that revolve around that. So it's an exciting time for these things. It really is. And, uh, you know, it, and uh, I think that uh, a lot of people will look back and, at the devices that we have today and they think, oh, man, you know, <laughs> look what we had back in, uh, you know, 2019, <laughs> you know, and, and where we are here today in 2024, right? Yeah. So it's just We've exciting. Had, um, a lot of people in chat say that um, they, they like you. Like in that they they feel that that um, your delivery and 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 maybe the language barrier that um, that you're going to change the uh, perception of Pimax a lot in the community and and I, and I would agree with that. Um, but we're also getting a lot of comments and I, and I know you've in a way you, you maybe you did it earlier and I know it's done frequently. But um, we the the community wants a Kickstarter update and uh, and I believe there was a recent update uh, posted to the Pimax forums, but uh, you know not everyone's going to visit those forums. So can you give us a a sort of an official Kickstarter update as well as um, you know when we expect the 8K? The 8K kind of got I don't want to say put on hold, but the 5K was the bulk of the production. Uh, when should we expect the 8K production to kick back up and and those 8K units get out to the re remaining uh, backers? Well, I'll, I'll just start with the 5K and then I'll roll into a little bit of discussion about the 8K and where that's at too. I'll just go through the different SKUs we have real fast. Um, so on the 5K, we've produced all of the units uh, for that is enough to cover everyone that was a backer and all of the units are shipped. What, what, one of the confusion things has been is Pimax treats shipped <laughs> in a way that uh, maybe some people wouldn't interpret it that maybe even me <laughs> wouldn't interpret that way. <laughs> but, uh, and that means for them, when it goes out of the warehouse and they get it to that freight company to take it to, to a warehouse, to the local freight forwarder, they consider that to be shipped. And then a person's like, holy crap, I don't have my tracking number. And I get it. Uh, you know, I'd probably be right there, <laughs> you know, talking about that. Uh, so when Pimax says shipped and then they say, hey, then if it's shipped, where's my tracking number? Well, it's got to go from the warehouse to the freight forwarder and you got to get through customs and there's a whole bunch. And that's a random, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things involve all sorts of potential things that change the number of days between point A and point B. But Pimax uses a freight forwarder where you, and once it winds up there, then it goes to your end user and then they get the tracking number. And that's, you know, and for them, that's been... And to make sure that they get the stuff in a timely way and get where the tracking number lines up where they get it, you know, maybe before they, it arrives on their door, <laughs> you know, which sometimes 
uh, you know, they get the tracking number after they have it. And that's kind of not good, you know, too. But that all that said, they produced enough units of the 5K Plus to cover to cover everybody. Um, and uh, and on now, then you have the 8K. The 8K, a lot of people may or may not know that the, the company that we use to manufacture those panels, it's a very customized panel uh, with some custom firmware and some other things. Uh, they weren't delivering them in real high quantity at first. And and so not only do they have to deliver in quantity, it has to make it through our Q&A. So, so there's two couple of stages there before it really winds up in a product, you know. So, so basically, for that, we received a shipment of panels that were that were nice and perfect and exactly what we wanted. We shipped it. We got it right before the um, Chinese New Year, and we were producing 8Ks in the days right before the Chinese New Year. So those didn't go out, you know. So you had this, um, you know, 11 day, 12 day window, you know, where where not a lot was happening. Uh, whenever when the offices uh, reopened they started shipping 8Ks and uh, and they shipped I think 336 of them was pretty much right away now remember when they say shipped <laughs> it doesn't mean that, that John Smith in uh, Omaha Nebraska is gonna get a tracking number as I would expect <laughs> you know that means that it left the door and it went to the freight porter and you have some time index there before that turns into real tracking numbers for real people uh, they went through all of the panels they received right after we got back. They finished manufacturing those, which is even maybe two or three hundred more on top of those 336. And then, uh, just I uh, think yesterday they released or they received the remainder uh, of enough panels to cover everyone. So, uh, and the, the total number of outstanding people for that one for that skew that remained was like 1238 and they had built half of those and then the other half is being built now and and since we're building up to 200 units a day now uh, we go through those you know real quick now of course it has to go through Q&A and some other things before and pack packaging and all that but generally speaking you can say that um, that people uh, who are waiting for their AKs you know we're right at the end of the process for the rest of those so um, I would say, you know, first of all, you know, we're really sorry that we didn't get it to you long ago, <laughs> you know, and uh, but uh, but I do think that the um, that the wait is, you know, you're right at the end of it, so it's not going to be a very long wait from this point on. I'd be very surprised if if not if everybody doesn't have their headsets uh, in their hands next month, you know, where counting shipping and delivery and even ones that are slow I would suspect that there probably will not there might be a one or two people that where you have trouble you know getting the right uh, information back and forth but I think everybody will be uh, will have them in their hands I think that's a very good answer I mean you were you were very thorough there and again I kind of circle back to something I said early here in this interview where um, you know you, you guys are given data that no one else gives and 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 with that's a double-edged sword so I I think um, and we're seeing it in the comments I don't know if you're tracking them live there Kevin um, but we're seeing them in the comments and, and and people are saying thank you for that thank you for that and um, I think it's good information and, and and I think this is gonna circulate through all the forums and everything so we really appreciate that um, let's wind down uh, on a 
on a on a higher note, you know, let's, let's not talk about the quarrels of uh, of uh, delivery, no, I but think, um, I think I think it's a high note to, to, for people to finally get their stuff. <laughs> I would want <laughs> very good point. Um, <laughs> and also, people who have been thinking about this thing for a long time and they want, you know, they maybe hadn't even ordered it yet, but they want their stuff too. You know, getting having this journey come from concept to manufacturing to, you know, from A to Z, it's a pretty, that is not a, that's a hard thing, man. For sure. <laughs> to, to dream this mess up and turn, how many products actually, you know, when you go to CES and you walk around there and there's hundreds of thousands of budding companies that are showing some prototype that's a 3D printout of some grand idea they're going to take over the world with, I guess. And I've done it, like I say, 29 years. And how many of those really end up getting to the end game where it winds up in somebody's hands somewhere or on a shelf somewhere on a store or, or whatever? It's not much. You know, it's like less than 1%. Oh, so, I know. And so, you know, to get that to this kind of point and, to, and for Pimax to be in the realm of companies that are delivering you know, these high-end devices by the thousands is a is a really neat deal. And it's a neat deal for me. And I, I hope people can bear with us a little bit and, and a lot or not a little bit. And in some cases, they have to bear with us a lot. Well, 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 keep in mind as well. Let's not let's not forget the uh, what happened when Oculus and HTC first launched their headsets as well. <laughs> right. And they had a long run up as well. So I don't think that that should be dismissed uh, immediately because there were a lot of people waiting a long time for their headsets as well. And I, I was uh, I was one of them. I had the uh, I had the DK1, the DK2, uh, the Rift. And I and I was, you know, just so excited to get, you know, waiting for mine. Uh, I can't even tell you. And then I had the I had the Vive Pre, and then later <laughs> the Vive, and then the Pro, and I, I waited for those too. You know, it's a hard thing. Yeah, it, it is to just dream up something, and you have this idea of all the great features it's going to have, and you know, and the more out there that those features are, the harder they are to deliver, <laughs> you know, properly. So yeah, uh, we, you got to people should know that the people at Pimax. They literally sit around all day thinking about what great things that, that they could do with VR. I mean, you should see the internal uh, discussions that go around the company. That these guys are, you know, there's nobody uh, with a mustache twittering it in, the, you know, uh, some sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, they're all nerdy engineers just dreaming up all these great things. They're like, wow, what if we did this and that and the other thing? How hard would that be? Uh, it's a damn fun discussion to have. And I really enjoy it. I really do. Very Go ahead. Um, well, yeah, I guess in, in, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have said it the way I did because you're right. You're absolutely right. The, the delivering on the Kickstarter and, and and all that 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 is a high note. And I guess what I sort of meant was kind of take it more towards a fun direction. And uh, we are primarily a gaming podcast, and we sure. get asked a lot about you know why don't you guys talk enough about things that aren't gaming and, and, and whatnot. So. Um, we talk about gaming. So my question to you is, is, is more in the fun tone, but what is your favorite games to play on your Pimax? What are you playing now? What do you look forward to play? Like, let's, let's, let's get, uh, let's get some gaming talk in this a little bit. I have to admit, you know, I hadn't been able to, uh, to play <laughs> very much lately. Um, when I started working with, uh, with Pimax, I, I wound up, uh, in a standing in a tornado <laughs> and uh, and uh, and where where the amount of 
of things that kind of needed uh, kind of a, somebody that's been around the tech business a long time to maybe make some impacts here and there. Uh, you know, and they really are interested in those things. <laughs> when I started so, working with, sorry, uh, with uh, sorry about that. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, anyway, so the bottom line on it is, is that uh, my some of my favorite games that I would just love to play and sit down. I, I, I want to go back. I went about a quarter of the way through Skyrim again, and I and I when I get and nowadays when I get the new version, my a lot of times I get the beta versions of various things, and I'll I'll fire that up to see how um, the new version affects it. And play around with all the settings so that I can answer people's questions and things. Um, but uh, but no, I I uh, I my one of the games I uh, like is Skyrim. I also uh, I like Bridge Crew. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm yeah. a, I'm, although that's kind of a social thing, I guess. But if you're a Star Trek if you're a Star Trek fan like I am, it's kind of the dream to sit in the captain's chair or you know or be a Spock or you know <laughs> Sulu or whoever your favorite character is, playing that role. I love that. Uh, uh, but there, there's so many. I own uh, quite a few. I have a pretty good uh, library of of uh, Steam VR games. I used to play. I have Beat Saber, I have Robo Recall, which I like. I, I have um, I have so many uh, that I play, but I just don't get the chance to play them. But for little, small, I'll, right now I'll get a new version of this or that, and uh, somebody will say, "Hey, it's a new lens profile. Give this one a shot and see what your what your take on it is." Um, and I'll and I'll put it and I'll go ahead and uh, put it in and check it out and see you know and give you know an opinion, one of many I'm sure that on. Um, on whether it worked for me, um, and uh, but uh, you know, uh, I think that uh, if, if only I had more time to sit down and play some of these things. That that's the work. same, yeah. That's the same as we all feel. Um, what what GPU are you using? You using because um, again, going back to before we started the show, I sort of acknowledged I've got a lot of interest in Pimax, and you know, I'm ready to upgrade to a new headset. Um, I picked up the Odyssey, and um, you know, I've got a few thoughts on that. I've still yet to get to, honestly. But um, oh, the... I like Friday that one quick. I yeah. got the when I saw it for two ninety nine, I was done. I, I credit card, boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the um for, for the GPU because um I'm I'm running a, a ten eighty Ti um which is yeah. obviously fine with, with most stuff. But my concern is even with that sort of high end GPU with a Pimax um. And I know, Steve, you had a 1080 Ti, you've upgraded it to a 2080 Ti, so I'm sure you're not experiencing too many problems. But And I know that you can dial it in. There's a lot of settings that you can do to adjust it, to get it, get it really dialed in so it works with your GPU. Um, first of all, which GPU are you using? And, it, you know, what is there anything like performance-wise um, you can tell us at all? Uh, my personal machine has a 1080 Ti. I have, a, I have an MSI uh, 1080 Ti. Uh, my work machines, which are these HTPCs that we use at uh, CES and, and shows like that, I have those, or I have uh, some of those, and uh, I have 2080 Ti's in a couple of those. Um, but uh, my on my personal one, I use a 1080 Ti for almost everything, and um, and so um, most of my testing, maybe 60% of it, is on the 1080 Ti, and. Uh, but um, you know, and, and uh, it, for me, it's been um, 
fine and maybe 90% of the, now, of course, if you go back months, you know, in the, in earlier versions of our drivers and earlier versions of our firmware, the frame rate was, you know, was much worse, you know, than it compared to today. Uh, you know, we've made so many improvements on that side of it, you know, in the last three, three and a half months or so. So, uh, and, and so that's another thing that I do, you know, I'll whip out the, you know, Skyrim and check out the frame rate and with exactly the same settings as I had on the same, you know, on a, yeah. on a previous Pi tool and, uh, and mark that and see if we're, you know, if it really is something that we've that has been improved or if it's some, something's wrong, you know. Do you yeah. tend to adjust your super sampling more in PyTool or more in Steam VR? Oh. Which 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 have you found is the the better adjustment point? No, PyTool is a you, you got to know that the render pipeline Py, PyTool controls the render pipeline. So uh, a lot of the rendering happens in uh, in PyTool. It's not um, so when this the Steam uh, super sampling you know works together with that, but you got to know that the PyTool setting affects far more than super sampling. So you're so the truth is if you can adjust it in PyTool, you should. Okay. Okay, uh, well I did forget one question and then I promise we'll let you go. And it's actually from one of our other co-hosts, hope, Anthony. I hope, hope I'm helping. So Oh you are you're absolutely helping. I think I think the audience is loving this. Um, Anthony had, had had asked before we got started and um, said, you know, he kind of made a, a, a comment that um, you know, Pimax is doing something different. They're they're going for the wide foe for the minimal SDE without the Odyssey Plus diffusion layer, which I personally dislike. Um, do you at any point, sort of at a high level, do you feel like, you know, with the Varjo, Varho, and and all these other uh, the Star VR, the Xtile, the VR engineers, that maybe the window is closing? And and I'd say you guys have an advantage right now, but is there any concern that that around the corner Oculus or somebody's going to announce a, a wide field of view or, or Valve, this rumored Valve headset that hasn't been confirmed itself? Do you feel like maybe your uh, your primary advantage, which I would say is the Fove, although I like like the other things about the headset is is that window going to slip and, and 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 pull away from you all at some point uh when you, to to be competitive in business you always have to worry about those things you're you're foolish if you don't <laughs> you know you got to think about what the next guy is doing and you always have to have a plan uh to be bigger better faster <laughs> cheaper you know how whatever you're your uh, your design your customer goals are for who you want to appeal to um, but that said, I think I have I do have a reasonable amount of insight into what pretty much every one of those companies is doing. <laughs> so uh -oh. be careful. <laughs> uh, but do tell. Uh, do tell. Well, uh, I would just say that uh, they're all in varying degrees towards uh, some of these some of these things and. I would just say that these are not easy things to achieve, you know, and and um, and a lot of times the promise from a Valve or uh, you know or XTAL or Star VR, you know, and others, it changes a great deal when you get those in the hands of a real person somewhere <laughs> who who has it at home and they get to and they get to talk about you know the things that it does well and the things that it doesn't do well. Right now, you know, you don't have that. You know, right now, everybody's just dreaming about Utopia, 
And when you, you know, there's, there's that, and then there's what it really ends up being like. And, when, and, when some, and in some of these cases, you're going to find that the trade-offs are pretty considerable, <laughs> you know. So um, I think that, you know, for the time being, we're going to be able to, to stay right at the top, and, uh, and, and we will be able to keep that going for a fair amount of time, even if um, any of these companies release uh, consumer price devices, you know, this year, for, for instance. Though, like I say, the, the hill to just gain, just to simply gain compatibility with your average Steam VR game, it, you know, is rather high. So especially when you start in, increasing the field of view and the resolution and, and all kinds of other things, you, 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 every time you do that, you increase the amount of effort required to get there. So I think that, uh, you know, where we are right now and the fact that we have done a lot of those things, that as we iterate our devices, that, you know, we'll get to take advantage of everything we've done leading up to that. And... You know, we have the scale now, you know, on, uh, you know, for on the production side and on the buying side of the parts. So, you know, I, I think that for the time, for the, you know, for the near future saying, you know, the rest of 19 and even 20, uh, you know, we will probably be pretty close to the, if not, at, you know, right at the top of the sorts of immersive computing devices that are out there, especially when you take into account the price. You know, one of our big focuses is try to offer these things and try to get the price, to, you know, into a kind of a, a place where it's technically possible for, you know, for a person to be able to do it. And, um, you know, and as we and one thing people should know in this kind of a business, as you move up with SKUs, you know, you're going to take those existing SKUs and slot them down. So, uh, you know, so over time, we will become more and more competitive against, you know, some of the lower end things. So. I think that um, you know, moving forward into the future, uh, you know, we want to have the high end, but we want to start, you know, with as we move these existing devices down in the years to come, on the SKU side, you know, to capture, you know, some of that, uh, you know, some of the mid-range uh, and the lower end of the mid-range part of the business. You know, I don't think we're ever going to be uh, the company that can that really competes against the like the oculus go <laughs> for instance mm -hmm. you know that's not you know our focus right now but i think that we're, we're going to try to have that sweet spot that we consider where it's consumers price uh points and try to get as much of that tech you know squeezed in there as we can very good um do you have anything else you want to say? Like, uh, I'm not personally strapped for time. I want to be sensitive to your time. And I think the community will listen to you talk for as long as you want to talk. So um, <laughs> if there's anything you want to jump into, if you want to hop off of here, um, any just the floor is yours. No, I, I just wanted to come down and, and, and hopefully uh, and just thank everybody for who has backed us and has been there for us. Um, you know, just really appreciate uh, all of the feedback we get, you know, we try to incorporate feedback uh, into the revisions that we put out. And when people say, hey, this is the big thing you need to be thinking about now, we, we really do. If you look at our updates uh, to the software and, and things, we, we try to work all those things in there. Uh, when people say certain games there where there's problems, you know, 
we, that makes a list and we try to make sure that that's in there. Uh, we talk about it every day, but I just want to thank everybody who's been, you know, providing all that feedback and the backers have been instrumental to, uh, to getting this thing to the point where it is today. And I just want to know, I know people, we all know that people, some people out there a fair amount that especially the ones that don't have their devices yet, uh, are frustrated and, you know, just want people to know that we're there and we, we want to get you your stuff, <laughs> you know, and, uh, those, and as, uh, the weeks go by you know, everybody will have them and we'll be, and as that passes through, uh, we'll move into a different phase where we're just refining the, the experience for everyone. And, uh, and where that's our complete and total focus is just making sure that you have the best experience that you can. But, um, but no, I just wanted to come on here and I know people had questions and there were some things that weren't real clear. Uh, you know, some things that maybe, you know, that people are waiting on and they want to have some, some, uh, you know, forward guidance, <laughs> you know, forward looking guidance on when are we going to release all this stuff? And we've been talking about a lot. We have a pretty ambitious list of things with wireless and eye tracking and, and better head straps and, you know, and all kinds of, of improvements that'll almost all of those things will improve. Not only will they improve our offering moving forward, but it'll improve what people already have. You know, the thousands of people that have them in their hands, uh, you know, will be able to get these things and add it, you know, and, and if they're backers, a lot of the items are either free or, you know, are low cost. Uh, and the wireless, they'll get a, a discount because they get a coupon for that. Uh, so uh, I think by the end of this year, we'll have, you know, all of the things that we've been talking about will exist. And uh, so 2019 should be a, a really slick, you know, year for people who have Pimax uh, devices, especially the backers that have had them. They're going to see, you know, a, a lot of improvements, you know, on the technical side with the software and the firmware, but they're also going to see you know, new accessories and other things that help them uh, enjoy the experience more. So, but, you know, it's guys like you that, uh, you know, that have shows like this where they, where we get devices over to you and you can kind of say if it works or if it don't, <laughs> you know. Gary's, uh, Gary's ears just perked up. <laughs> He's willing to take an advice, a uh, device if you send one to him. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, we've got rollers coming out, you know, we've been working on that every day and, and we're, um, I think people are really going to like that. And of course, you know, Valve has their, you know, has their nipples, uh, which I love. I saw an MRTV thing where he had them, you know, like yesterday and he was showing uh, Skyrim with the knuckles and which is an awesome thing. Yeah. He was showing, he was showing them with everything at those cyber shoes as well. I think <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just great stuff, you know, and, uh, there's so many things coming out for VR and, and that's the place we are is that there's this wide variety of people who just have ideas on what would be great. You know, what's the, what is something that would really help that immersive experience, right? It might be, you know, the cyber shoes or it might be the knuckles or it might be hand tracking, um, with leap motion, which we, you know, which we offer, um, you know, and you have, uh, just all of these ideas on things that, that make it more immersive and, and, and just, uh, the dream experience that we, we're talking about, you know, in the MTBS, <laughs> in the old days of meant to be seen where we were all thinking, oh my God, man, you could do, <laughs> you know, this will turn this into the, the next big thing, you know, where, where you're, where, where you're sitting on a beach drinking a pina colada on the French Riviera somewhere and, and you're sitting you know, at home, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, 
and on the couch uh, in your underwear. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, the, the the dream of where this could go, and, and and not just for games, but for business, where you could have conferences, or where you're sitting at the con, where you're sitting at home in your underwear, and it looks like <laughs> uh, that you know you're sitting in a business conference with executives in some giant board meeting for you know corporate. Everybody's sitting around the table. Uh, it's the future, and uh, you know, and our job. Is to is to do our part in trying to get people there, you know. So, um, and that's why I'm so excited when I see you know all these great things that people are dreaming up, you know, and I and where I see the quest, you know, uh, you know from Oculus and what they're dreaming up, and I just get excited about those things and I love those things and I think that uh, I, I just think that the more uh, ideas that are out there that people get to try to consume and test. And like I say, the difference between talking about something that it's not out yet and actually having one <laughs> is, a, is a, a totally different thing. Because when you're just talking about it, it's not exposed to scrutiny like you get when it's in your hands, you know. But I, I think that getting this technology into people's hands where the ideas are really get to go through the ringer <laughs> with guys like you, you know, and the, and the public, where you really discuss this and take it apart, you know, that plays a huge role in getting, you know, VR to that place that we all would love to see it, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody wants VR. I mean, most gamers would love to have VR utopia. You know, I, even people that don't like VR right now, if you could just say, hey, I've got the new you know, uh, the Pimax version 10, <laughs> you know, put it on and it's some sort of visual utopia where you're sitting in on the French Riviera with Pina Colada and all that, and they get to see it. And anyway, probably most gamers would probably go, Oh my God, this is, you know, the thing. If, you know, if that existed, I, I think, think everybody is there to be had, you know, in, yeah. in the gaming business, there's no one that doesn't think that wouldn't be a good thing. <laughs> you know, sure. so it's just whether or not what we have today rises to a level that you're that an average gamer that's a PC gamer or any kind of gamer for that matter, where they think, oh, my gosh, that is a must have item. You know, that's what we're doing. That's what Oculus is trying to do. That's what HTC is trying to do. That's what you know, all these manufacturers are trying to do. They're trying to turn these VR devices and trying to find the right formula for the device to be the must-have device. You know, when you walk into Best Buy, you know, and there's all those big screen TVs there, and I see a big 80-inch OLED sitting there, and I'm like, ooh, I, I wouldn't mind having that. <laughs> you know, I, I could see that right in my room, you know, right now, ooh. You know, v, getting VR to that place, where you see a, a headset that's, you know, that's just genuinely the next uh you know the next step where it's genuinely great you know when you walk in the store i don't think there's one vr gamer that wouldn't like to have that for sure do you think there will get to a point where um vr will 
we will quit having TVs. You, you mentioned the 80 inch, um, and this is something that Anthony says a lot, is he, he thinks the, the idea of the home cinema is, is basically dead. Uh, I personally have a home cinema in the basement. Um, he and I met on the ABS forums. I don't know if you ever circulated there. Um, mm -hmm. So big, big theater geeks. And uh, I do think that one day uh, home cinema will die. TVs will essentially die because we'll have some sort of head mounted display that can, can, can serve that function. Um, he and I disagree on, on how quick we think that's going to happen. I think that's a little bit further away. But where do you do you see that happening? You, you seem to be a uh, into TVs and maybe into cinema to, to a degree uh, based on some of your answers. So uh, when, when do you think that gizmo. will come? I'm a gizmo guy. I love having if it's a some crazy gizmo and I see it now, I'm like, ooh, you know, I'm that. OK, even if it's out there, I want to test it, you know, but uh, in the case of uh, TVs and whether or not I think it will be something that could eventually be. Uh, I, I do think that TVs will always have a place because the family is sitting there together and that experience where you have a whole bunch of people watching, you know, one TV, if it's just two, three, four, five, I think that that is what will keep TVs as a, as a big seller for a very, very long time. However, I think that VR uh, devices have the potential to um, to to be the best experience that you can possibly get too. So I think that eventually you'll have uh, immersive experiences that just completely dwarf anything you could see on a TV. You know, there's a big difference between it, just think about it. You know, with the example of sitting on the beach, you know, on the French Riviera somewhere, and it's in VR, and you can hear the wind and 3D, and everything is is a near perfect replication of it versus watching it on even on an 80 inch tv sitting you know 20 or 30 feet away or however many feet it is uh it, it's going to pale in comparison to to the vr experience especially in the years to come but so i think that ultimately vr will become the you know the premium experience over the years and that and that tvs will be a a, a social uh, gathering where you have the food and you know, it'll be something for the family in the den, you know, kind of thing. But I think that VR has its place in becoming the absolute best thing that you can have. And uh, it's going to take a while, you know, before before you have visual utopia, you know, on uh, on VR devices. And that's where Pimax is all about. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to get there faster than the next guy, you know. <laughs> Well, I wish Pimax luck. Um, you know, I'll say it again. I've said it a lot here in the last few weeks since I got mine. It has uh, quickly shot to be my favorite headset. It is my favorite VR experience of, of all the products I've tried. And I have a good five, six headsets. I don't know. I lose track. I'm, I'm constantly buying them and selling them and everything. So, uh, Gary, uh, give you a chance to do any closing thoughts or anything you want to ask. And uh, we can let Kevin go and um, get out of here. Uh, no, I think we've covered everything. We've been pretty uh, we've been pretty thorough, I think, uh, with this. We, we had a, a big list of questions we wanted to get through, Kevin, and I think we've hit most of them. We've also covered some of the ones from the chat as well. Um, I think um, I just want to thank you for being on the show because, honestly, I think uh, you've not had uh, some of the questions have been a little bit difficult, but you've answered them all really well. Um, so Absolutely. thanks very much uh, for being on the show. It's been uh, it's been great having you on. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Okay. Uh, thanks again. We'll see everybody on the next VR Roundtable. And adios. <laughs> thanks. Bye. Bye.